When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Deadline day is done and Premier League clubs have splashed an eye-watering amount of money. Two billion quid, more money than ever, has changed hands to bring fresh blood to English football with Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton and 11 other top flight teams bringing in new recruits yesterday. We'll go through some of the more eye-catching deals as the yellow tie goes back in the draw for another few months at least on today's episode of Football Social Daily. The transfer window's been a huge distraction for Leicester City though. Not the words of me, the words of Brendan Rodgers after his side were beaten again last night, the fourth time in a row, and audible boos rang around King Power Stadium. Four defeats on the bounce in the Premier League for Rodgers, but three wins on the spin for Eric Ten Hag as Manchester United move up into fifth place. We'll assess last night's final midweek Premier League matchup, as well as assess the brain power of today's FSD panel with our usual end-of-week quiz. And vying to be the podcast professors today, Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. Morning, fellas. It's the hat-trick. I think it's the hat-trick of days. People are probably bored as hell of us two being on, but <laughs> never mind. You're going all Harland. You're going all Harland on us. Um, normally, Jim would do a Friday podcast or a Thursday podcast. Um, but seeing as he was on the train to Nottingham yesterday, we all got the idea that you might have been one of Forrest's 20-odd signings. I thought even Jim's getting a new deal down at the city ground, but um, wasn't to be in the end. Have you seen Jim play football? <laughs> I have seen Jim play football, yes. I think Forrest, they're not too bothered at this rate. They just want numbers. <laughs> well, numbers indeed is what they got. I think 21 signings. In the end, we're going to talk about the transfer window a little bit later on because it's been a, a crazy window, hasn't it, um, throughout the summer. So that's finally shut and we'll move on to that shortly. But first, let's focus on the on-field action and last night's match, which was the final midweek Premier League game of this suite of matches from Tuesday to Thursday. Just the one game last night. Leicester versus Manchester United at King Power Stadium. And it was the visitors who ran out 1-0 winners, much like they did at Southampton on Saturday. United clinching a 1-0 victory 
But first, let's look at this result from a Leicester perspective, Marley. Audible boos from Leicester City fans. At half-time when they were 1-0 down and at full-time when the scoreline was the same, they're still winless this season in the Premier League. They're still in the relegation zone. They look aside completely bereft of all confidence. How damaging is that result for the Foxes? Yeah, it's a big one, um, to be fair. I'm not sure it changes the the situation that they're in too much. Um, I think I said yesterday that they just need this this bloody transfer window to end and it, it's done now. And I think Brendan Rodgers said the same. I can't remember whether it was pre-match or, or post-match. That That's it with with Leicester. They just need to uh, to use this sort of game now as a... Um, like a, a marker in the season, like right, that's over. Let's uh, let's crack on and uh, and start again because they need galvanising. They need something. They need a fresh start. They need a new, not necessarily like new tactics or a new approach or something, but just everyone to just settle down and say, right, well, you know, Wesley's gone. We've signed. We we did sign a replacement, which they, I think they done well to do. But it was about ten minutes after we finished the podcast yesterday that they signed. Yeah, yeah. That woot fash or however you pronounce his name. Can't wait. That was a Jim Salverson style pronunciation. I can't wait till Jim has a go in it. We'll pronounce it different ten ten ways from Sunday. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, however you say his name. Big woot. Um, he'll. Uh, <laughs> He'll go for it, and you know, at least they got someone in, um, and at least they didn't lose Telemans. I think, under the uh, circumstances that that Fafana left in, you know, you can use the money in January, and you can use the money next summer if Brendan Rodgers is still there, because he did sound a bit defeatist last night and, and like he was fed up. Yeah, some of the things he was saying were very interesting, particularly given the backdrop of Scott Parker's dismissal by Bournemouth after what he was saying following a defeat, albeit a 9-0 defeat, to the media uh, last weekend. Brendan Rodgers did admit that the transfer window has been a huge distraction and he places no blame on Wesley Fofana for the way things unfolded with that transfer to Chelsea. But this is also what he said, Joel. This isn't the same club as it was a couple of years ago. That's a... Uh, a very interesting thing for a manager to say. And he went on to say also in another interview that we weren't given the help the team needs in the transfer market. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I wanted to do a bit of digging into what's going on at Leicester because obviously they've spent barely anything. It's only in reaction to Fafana actually leaving that they've been able to do any kind of business business in Europe really compared to all the other clubs. And I think the uh, the Leicester chairman, he made some comments in the programme just prior to the match that I read. And he basically explained why they've been so inactive. And it made a bit of sense, to be honest, where he basically just said that although the club's future is really secure, they've had to make some difficult short-term decisions to protect the long-term vision. Um, purely because their net spends increase. So I'm guessing that's purely due to the training ground increase, expenditure increase because of COVID impacts. Um, and obviously they had to comply with all the sustainability regulations because they haven't got the largest revenues compared to other clubs. And so obviously the easiest way to actually do that is by selling players, as we saw with, for example, Fafana this summer, and pulling back their own spending, which we're now seeing the results of it, which is a struggle in Leicester side. So they just want to they they want to become less reliant on player sales and build up their own revenues. If you look at for example Manchester United, that's the way their business model operates, which is they don't need to sell anyone because they have incredible commercial power, a huge fan base, and so every single one of their player sales purely comes from their commercial and revenue streams whereas with Leicester it's far from the case. And obviously I I think they have plans to 
expand the King Power Stadium as well. So that's going to take into effect all of the planning going on in the short term future. And although you have to be kind of cruel to be kind in these kind of situations, when you've got a manager like you say, like Brendan Rogers, who's giving comments like this, I do feel for him because his hands have been completely tied behind his back. He's had no power over it. But then on the flip side, the situation off the field is that, as the chairman has said, they have to cut back or they're going to end up paying the price for it in the next one, two, three years, which could lead to sanctions, could lead to even more player sales. So he's having to balance the books, which I never thought Leicester would have to do because they have such an, a well-run club and they've won such a great amount of things in the last six, seven, eight years, which has made everyone's jaw drop in terms of a Premier League, an FA Cup, some Champions League runs, European runs in the Conference League, to now having to basically sell to spend, which I think a lot of clubs have to do at some point. I even remember Chelsea having to do it at one point when FFP first started really coming into effect from uh, FIFA and UEFA. So it's going to be interesting to see how this one ends up going because although Rogers is definitely aware of what's going on, he will have spoken to the chairman a number of times. He is at the end of the day a football manager and he needs to get results and if he doesn't have the right players to do it of course he's going to be annoyed with the situation but let's see how it plays out because like we've said they were one of the only European clubs about two to three weeks ago who had not, not signed a player and that's a Premier League club who apparently have money coming left, right, and centre out of their out of their business model. So is I feel for him, but I also understand the situation that the chairman's having to deal with, and it is complicated. But for the long term future, it might not even arrive if they don't end up getting out of this situation that they're in. Yeah, and I do think that Leicester's owners deserve credit for the way that they have built the club. If you look at King Power Stadium compared to somewhere like. St. Mary's, for example, they're very similar stadiums. In fact, they're almost identical stadiums. Um, but Leicester's is probably a lot more well-kept and the investment has been there, the investment in the training ground. They have sold players for big fees in recent years. Probably didn't want to sell Wesley Fofana. Brendan Rogers said that they wanted to stay, that he wanted him to stay for another season. Um, but, you know, it, it's not been easy at the moment. And and Kun Top, who's the, the chairman of the club, obviously having to take over Leicester City after the, the tragic death of his father, who died in a helicopter accident a couple of years ago outside the ground, which a lot of people seem to forget, um, happened to Leicester. And they came through that adversity. And, you know, King Power, the owners of Leicester, are a, a Thai duty-free company. And I quite enjoy talking about football politics and business in general. But, um, you know, Thailand had some of the harshest coronavirus restrictions in the world. And that obviously doesn't help when you run a duty-free business. That being said, King Power are still billionaires. And so, therefore, you'd expect them to be able to spend or lose a little bit more money. But but as you say, Joel, you seem to have done a lot of digging there in it. And it looks like there are other things going on at Leicester City, which maybe don't quite come to the surface when you look at things on face value. Um, let's talk about Manchester United, though. They beat Leicester last night away from all of the the on-field, off-field politics, the on-field stuff. Manchester United controlled the ball well, got their goal in the first half, a nice move, good finish, nice cold finish from Jadon Sancho, stayed very calm, went round the keeper, put it into the back of the net. But they probably should have finished Leicester off by scoring a couple more. Marley, what do you think? Yeah, pr- probably uh, probably fair to say that. Um, I think, to be fair, the most important thing was, was for them to get a win um, and put this sort of really shaky start behind them. I think they won three in a row now, so that's... 
you know, lose the first two, win the next three is is good. Set them up for Arsenal at the weekend in in a nice uh, nice run of form. They'll they'll fancy that job to be the first uh, first team to put a dent in Arsenal this year. And Man City will be looking on with uh, with like uh, baited interest as well. So I think they you know they they played all right. They didn't play. I don't think it was amazing, um, but they got it done. And I think it's still about that for now. Um, I think Man United could have done with the similar to Leicester, just want that transfer window to end. Um because they've you know, they've come in for a lot of criticism about what they need and what they what they're lacking. Um they've you know, they've addressed that with Casemiro and addressed it somewhat with, with keeping Ronaldo as well, which obviously looks like he's he's gonna carry on for, for the next um six months at least. So it's starting to come together, I think, for Man United. There was a few wobbles last night. You know, I think Leicester could have had. I think if Leicester were were confident and and doing better than they were, I think Leicester could have at least got a draw. But you know, the the timing was right. Of Leicester weren't ever really in a position to win that game in terms of like you don't expect them to go and win it because they've lost all the you know bottom of the league, lost all the games so far, pretty much, and uh, you know not there's no confidence around them and, and they had other things going on as well with the transfer window so it was you know decent good finish from 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 Sancho god knows what they were do, the, the defending was from Leicester James Justin just seemed to put his all his hopes on the uh, the flag going up and it just didn't um was never going to as well cuz Sancho was a mile on side so it was uh poor from Leicester but yeah job done for man united and on to arsenal on sunday Happy with what you saw last night, Joel. I thought United, what they didn't do against Southampton was get the ball down in the middle and they let the game get away from them. They did manage to get the goal early in the second half. It was early in the first half this time, but they managed to control the game a lot better than they did in their last away match on Saturday. I was 50% impressed in terms of basically half by half. I thought the first 45 minutes was the best 45 minutes we've had since since I can remember, maybe even from last year, just in terms of how well Ericsson, Bruno McTominay just completely dominated the midfield. I had to literally rub my eyes to actually see that this was a Man United midfield playing these one-touch passes and making good movements and every pass had a purpose. And also just seeing the back four so in tune with each other. I mean, Rafa Varane and Martinez, they're striking up such a good partnership at the moment where they just are just so colossal they breed confidence into the rest of the team which then they can go on and build their attacks from but I think the only gripe I would have was that despite all that possession in the first half there was just no chances created since the Sancho goal which shows to me that it's completely toothless and there's just a real lack of creativity I mean there was a couple at the end wasn't there Joel when Ronaldo came on and there was a cutback for Ericsson which was cut out by Johnny Evans and there was there was a couple but that as you say was probably towards the end of the match last yeah I mean um, just in the first half you know when Leicester were really on the ropes we should have easily finished that game off in the first half and on another day with a different kind of front line maybe if Anthony Martial was there or Anthony when he's on the right wing because we know both of their games are very unpredictable play creativity and eye for a pass and I think we've just lacked that killer final ball and just a little bit of invention in the final third. So I think it's clear to, it's clear as day to me why Ten Hag has brought in Anthony now. Before I was kind of thinking, I think we all were, is that the main priority on the pitch to spend £85 million? But looking at that game, I can 100% see and I'm convinced 
that we need way more up front in those front three areas and I hope he adds a little bit of potency to the attack but second half totally lost control I was quite surprised at how much we lost control and let Leicester back into it um, and I thought Casemiro really came on and controlled things again so going into the Arsenal game I'd really want to see Casemiro start straight from the off because we know Arsenal are a really high pressing team uh, with a lot of high energy but I just don't know where the goals are coming from to be honest because like I say I didn't think Rashford had a very good game as a striker I'd rather see Ronaldo there um, and I don't know if he's going to start Anthony straight away and throw him into the into the fire pit on his on his debut but if it was me I would 100% start him he seems like he has the personality to just get straight in he doesn't need you know, match rhythm or a little European midweek tie. He looks ready to go. So it's going to be interesting to see Arsenal hopefully humbled on Sunday. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, Eric Senhag was giving nothing away about whether Anthony will play on Sunday or not when he was speaking to the media. He never gives anything away, does he? No, Bloody hell. He doesn't trust the media. Like I talking think. to a rock. <laughs> <laughs> he, is a tough, he is a tough guy. He is a tough guy to talk to, I will say that. Um, but his side victorious last night, an untamed, unchanged team for the third consecutive game and three points for the third consecutive game as well as United beat Leicester City by a goal to nil. The Foxes remain in the Premier League relegation zone. Leicester's transfer business has been a topic of conversation as has Chelsea's, as has Nottingham Forest's. What a window it's been and we'll talk about it after this on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode It is Ryan here and I have a question for you What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk. Welcome back to FSD. This is Friday's edition of the show. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss another podcast again. Fergal Brennan will be back on Sunday looking across all of the weekend's Premier League fixtures. But looking ahead to them, with me on the dugout later, former Premier League striker Matty Fryer and former Southampton defender Francis Benali. They'll be talking to me. Sol Bamba, little late substitution. Matty Fryer on deadline day coming in to rescue the day. Uh, Sol Bamba's training with Bristol City at the moment um, and he sent us a message to say, uh, I'm training. I can't make the podcast. So wishing Sol all the best and hopefully we're getting back on the show soon. But Matty Fryer and Francis Benali with me later on the dugout. So keep your ears open for that one. Time to talk the transfer window now and it is closed. Another transfer window done and a record-breaking summer window at that with close to £2 billion spent by top flight clubs. £1.9 billion in the end has changed hands. Chelsea have spent more in one window than any other club in Premier League history. Nottingham Forest have signed more players in one summer than any other British club ever. 
with 21 through the door. Marley, what have you made of it all? Because it's been a strange transfer window, to say the least. It's crazy, wasn't it? Crazy, crazy towards the end, and and then when you think back on it, you you know, as you've mentioned, you know, so many the many deals have been done, and still, when it came to yesterday, everyone was scrambling around trying to to get at least someone else in, or or in Forest's case, I think did they sign three yesterday? Uh, Everton signed <laughs> yeah. two. Fulham, Fulham signed yeah, four. Yeah, Fulham <laughs> four. It's or everyone's panicking. You know, it's it's like that gif off the office when. You know Michael Scott's running around. Everybody, stay calm. I'm trying to trying to do this, uh, do this deal, and you know it, Liverpool have, have panicked and well, not panicked. They've sort of left it late to to get Arthur Arthur Mello from um, I think it's Juventus, isn't it? Who they've signed him on loan from, and you know they've they've addressed the the Henderson uh, issue. I think he was injured, um, but even when he's not injured, his his legs have gone anyway, so he might as well might as well. Um, replace him so yeah everyone was just uh running around and and getting last minute deals done it didn't really make sense because it seems to have been open for you know quite a while but obviously with the early pre-season and and things coming back and you know coming back early and things it's everyone's a a, a bit rushed but you know it, it just sums up the um the money in the premier league it's it's absolutely crazy i said a tweet yesterday saying that uh um, the I think the net spend of the Premier League is like is it one point nine billion or something, and the next highest is La Liga on fifty million. So it's, you're talking twenty times as much um, as as any other league spent. So that can't be sustainable though. When you think about it like that, I mean, you've got two huge clubs in Spanish La Liga, haven't you? Barcelona, who haven't got any money at the moment. And Real Madrid, who have been slightly more frugal in recent seasons with their spending, albeit a couple of years ago, they did really go big with some of the players they signed. But I do feel like the Premier League is just miles ahead. And I don't know whether that's a positive or negative in terms of the amount of outlay that there is on players. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to be pretend I, I know the uh, how things work like this and how much money people actually do have. But you've got to hope that there's... Um, some pretty swift accountants knocking around and balancing the book somewhere and going, hang on, let's not spend what we don't have. Because, you know, there's a hell of a lot of money floating around and, you know, everyone's swimming in it. And, you know, you see, you know, to take Nottingham Forest and, and the risk of winding up their very, very sensitive fans on social media again, um, they will, you know, they signed Lingard and then they signed a couple of others and they signed them all for like 20 million quid. And after, you, after they signed about, three for 20 million each you were thinking oh well that's that's pretty much them done surely then they go and sign Gibbs White for 40 million and then it's like hang on where, where the hell are they getting this from and not that they haven't got it and if you've got it spend it fine but it does give you an insight into how much money there is in the Premier League and then you worry about them if they do go down and things like that you know so it's um it's yeah it, I mean it's it's a league of its own isn't it absolutely staggering amounts of money flying around. Chelsea have managed to secure a striker though, Joel. We spoke about it for the last few days of the transfer window. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is back in the Premier League. The former Arsenal man back in London as well, this time wearing blue rather than red. And he only spent a year at Barcelona, but Chelsea needed an option up front, didn't they? Havertz wasn't really doing it. Sterling has played the false nine role for City in the past, but he's not an out-and-out striker. Aubameyang is. Is that exactly what they needed? Someone who can 
find the back of the net with that Premier League experience. Yeah, they just desperately need a striker, Niall. They need someone who who has been there and done that in terms of putting goals in the back of the net. And at Barcelona last year, he was the top scorer, so it was quite surprising that they actually just wanted to get rid after one year. But I mean, when you're bringing in Robert Lewandowski, uh, he becomes quickly just an option rather than someone you really need to keep hold of. It's just going to be interesting for me to see how he fares back in the Premier League because in his later years or in his final years at Arsenal, to me, he just he just looked like he had that zapped pace that I grew so much to like when he was banging in 15 to 20 goals a season for Arsenal up front and the reason why he got that massive new contract and then suddenly fell off a cliff the following season. It's going to be interesting to see because... As we've saw, seen with so many other players who've come back to the Premier League after some time away and everyone wonders if they can still do it and they don't quite do it and they feel like they've fallen behind a little bit. I just don't know how it's going to work in that system because the Chelsea team right now just looks so disjointed in every position at the moment. It just feels like a jigsaw of too many pieces and I don't know if Tuchel's going to have enough time to actually piece them all together, especially... Well, actually, it depends because we don't know how the new owner is going to react when the results start getting tricky. Because as we've known with Abramovich and the people who were below him, they reacted quite quickly whenever a manager was in a difficult situation and they were never afraid to change at any time in a managerial position. Whereas with Todd Bowley, it's going to be interesting to see just how much trust he has in Tuchel because for me, he's one of their best managers they've had in such a long time. And I've seen quite a few Chelsea fans say that, you know, if this continues, I don't see Tuchel lasting long enough. I mean, but who can you get in his place? I feel like Tuchel is an an excellent manager. The way he handled, for example, the COVID situation and the way he handled the Abramovich <laughs> situation, I thought it was yeah. pretty admirable. And I think I think that's really important to remember, Joel. I mean, only a few months ago we were talking about will Chelsea ever be the same club again? Will they ever be the same after Abramovich left? And here they are spending four hundred million pounds in one transfer window, the most of any club in the Premier League era ever in a summer window with this new owner Todd Bowley who's come in and acted as a de facto director of football. He's done everything himself, owner you know, director of football, secretary, whatever you want to say. He seems to be the all singing, all dancing Chelsea owner at the moment. And, you know, as like like I was saying, with the way that things unfolded with the Ukraine war and, you know, Abramovich's sanctions, we were discussing whether Chelsea would ever be competing in the Champions League, will they ever be competing for titles again, whether they'd ever be the same club again. And yet here they are. They've not had the greatest start to the season, but some of the players they've brought in, um, it's a real statement of intent and that will be difficult for anyone to deal with. I don't care how good a manager you are. Yeah, I just think a lot of empathy needs to be shown to the situation because aside from the off-field things that have gone on, he's lost a massive bulk of that side in the summer. You know, the likes of Rudiger, who was incredible for them in the last two years, leaving on a free. Christensen leaving on a free. Angola Kante basically fallen off a cliff in terms of his performances that's purely due to his injuries and just a lot of um, uh, Romelu Lukaku as well someone who they paid a lot of money for is now gone on loan there's just been a lot of chopping and changing and and then obviously the big one which is the ownership transition which I think for any club is never easy because having to bring in all of your new people and then try and set this overarching strategy that has been so 
same same for the last 18 years it must be really difficult to get things on board which is why Todd Bowley's been running around like a headless chicken for the last four months but I think after this season they'll start to stabilise I just think that it's so reactionary after what five games Chelsea are still there or thereabouts they're on seven points it's not it's not like you know they're in a major crisis they just need the right players and a bit more potency up front but I think if they got rid of Tuchel it'll be the same situation as Paris Saint-Germain they'll regret it so much because as we saw when uh, PSG got rid of him he ended up winning the Champions League six months later and he had PSG playing some really good football and I think if Chelsea were to get rid of him one, I don't know who they would get, and two, I don't know if they would recover after Tuchel because he is an excellent manager. So let's see how resolute Todd Bowley is because this will be a test this season if if anything starts to go really downhill. Can I just uh, can I just have a look at raise something for the probably one of the best loan moves I've ever heard of that we we're definitely not going to talk about on the, on the podcast, but I've just seen it pop up. <laughs> Uh, Arsenal have loaned uh, Miguel Aziz. Who, all right, no one's ever heard of him. But well, he was fine. on loan at Pompey last season, you know. Was he? He was. Well, he must have got sick of that because do you know where he's went on loan this season? No idea. Ibiza. <laughs> he's gone What's on loan. The, there's to no difference. <laughs> UD Ibiza. So he clearly loves a uh, little party island. <laughs> there's <laughs> absolutely no difference between <laughs> Palmerston what Road and, and Ibiza's West End. <laughs> well, they, they, they got promoted like two years ago. I think they <laughs> stayed in the uh, Spanish second division yes, uh, last season. And uh, I think they finished about 10th or 12th or something. They, they did all right. So I wonder what the players so do right. on their time off. Do you think they just hit the strip? Well, Jamie Vardy said that that's where he wanted to play when he no, retired. He, did he, so, actually? he said that when uh, he said he was playing there next summer in 2010 because <laughs> I worked at the club when he when he had that interview. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, everyone, because yeah, because Vardy was too good for Halifax, obviously. So the clubs were always sniffing around him, and someone said to him, uh, "You know what? Can we can we expect to see you next season?" And because he was an absolute just. Like training ground jokery was just like now nah, I'm going to sound for IB for Town FC. <laughs> Jamie Vardy might really be having what a, a guy. party. Whatever happened to him, eh? Jamie Vardy. Um, we're gonna leave Leicester for now though, because they did replace Wesley Fofana with uh, Wout Fasch from Reim, the French club. Um, indeed, he played centre back last night. I think that's a pretty damning indictment for Shalasuunshu who was on the bench and, you know, Rogers obviously really doesn't fancy him. But we're going to talk about another team in blue now after Chelsea, Leicester. And now we're going to talk about Everton when they've brought in two midfield players. James Garner from Manchester United on a permanent deal and Idrissa Garner-Gay, who of course used to play for Everton before leaving for France. This one was a bit of a head-scratcher for me. Uh, Frank Lampard was a key factor in both of these players joining Everton, Marley. At least that's what they both say, considering Lampard's one of the best midfield players the Premier League has ever seen. But Everton, do they not need attackers rather than midfield players? (laughs) I don't understand this. Bloody hell. I do not get it. And look, they're all good players that that they signed this summer. You know, Tarkowski, uh, Onana looks looks quite good. Um, Garner. And then gay as well, and you know, <laughs> they've got bit. they've got Onana, Garner, and Garner yep. gay. In their team. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, telly zombies. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Southampton having Armstrong um, and Adams and two another another two Armstrongs. So yeah, it's um, I don't really understand the business if I'm honest. Um, I remember a few years ago Everton spent. Um, 
money and they had too many number 10s. I remember they had too many attacking midfielders to fit into one system. They had, I think they had, um, they went and signed Sigurdsson and then they had, you know, they had uh, Deli Ali and they had uh, James Rodriguez and they had, I think before that, they had Davy Klassen all in the same sort of window. I think obviously Ali wasn't there, shouldn't, shouldn't have put him in with them, but, you know, then, then they got rid of them all for one reason or another. And then, then they signed Deli Ali last uh, January, and then they they bin him off. And I think he's he's pretty much the only number ten in their squad um, that I could think of. And now they've went and signed three defensive midfielders in the same window. And it doesn't really matter what formation you play. I don't think you can play three DMs in in one system because Onana, Ghana, and Gay are not, are not gonna. They're not gonna all play <laughs> that the name same combination. Game. Is incredible. Oh, I need yeah. a commentary on that. Yeah, Onana, Ghana, Gay, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it it doesn't make sense. Everton's transfer business hasn't made sense for for about a decade, so it's not really a surprise. But it's kind of funny how they've gone from let's buy all the attacking midfielders and hope they fit. Uh, so let's uh, let's buy all the defensive midfielders and hope they can keep the goals out. It's crazy. Yeah, well, that's Everton's business on transfer deadline day. We're going to go across Stanley Park now uh, and talk about Liverpool. And these two sides actually meet at Goodison Park this weekend. 12.30 kickoff in the Premier League on Saturday. Previewing that one on tonight's Dugout podcast with Francis Benali and Matty Fryatt looking ahead to that Merseyside derby. But as for Liverpool, they've signed a player on loan. We've already mentioned him briefly. Arta Mello uh, in from Juventus uh, for the rest of the season. We've said for a while, Joel, that they needed some more midfield strength. Um, do you think that Artemelo's arrival from Juventus will be enough? I think he's a squad player. I wouldn't say he's someone who's going to come into that Liverpool side and be a revelation. But judging from, for example, Henderson, who looks like he's declining massively, and then the rest of the injuries they've got to Thiago and I don't even know whoever else is in midfield, they're struggling a lot in that department. I was impressed with Arthur when he was at Barcelona when he first started playing there and I didn't think he would ever leave there because he looked so good in their midfield and then that really dodgy transfer happened between them and Juventus where Pjanic went to Barcelona and Arthur went to Juventus but they signed them both off with like 60 to 70 million pound fees. It was a bit of a strange one. I think it was to balance the books in some way. Um, But then when he went to Juventus he just quickly became very injured by the way he's a pretty injury prone player and he just didn't well, that's no good <laughs> that's didn't, not well, good for Liverpool is right it? now he's fit and that's the main thing but when he went to Juventus he just didn't look the same player as he did at Barcelona and likewise Pjanic didn't look the same player as he did at Juventus while he was at Barcelona so it's going to be more a case of just reinforcements for Klopp he just needs numbers and as he said in his press conference, the the closer it got to deadline day, the lack of realistic options started to come available because I believe that, for example, uh, Nunes, who went to Wolves, I feel like he probably was one of his big targets, but the price tag was probably a little bit too high for them. But then to have to go for him on deadline day... But why day, is it that Wolves can buy a player like that and not Liverpool? Portuguese. Yeah, but I don't understand it in terms of the fee. I know he's Portuguese, <laughs> yeah, obviously, and yeah. they've got a big contingent there at Wolves. But, I mean, 
Liverpool should be able to afford £40 million to spend on a midfielder. They shouldn't be scratching around bringing players in on loan on deadline day. And you're right, talking about quality of midfielder, um, or sorry, quantity, they need numbers. But I also think they need better players. They need someone better than Henderson. They need someone better than Milner. They need someone better than Oxlade-Chamberlain. Because at the moment, when Thiago and Fabinho are out, they've not really got much else. My opinion on the situation is that I don't think they they wanted to do a massive outlay this summer on a midfielder because all of their eggs are in the Jude Bellingham basket for next summer. And I feel like if they were to do, on top of that 85 million outlay on uh, Nunez this summer, I feel like that would affect next summer's budget as well if they were to have spent 50 million because I know Liverpool, even though they are a massive club and they they have like a huge fan base... They're not blessed with being able to spend as much uh, compared to you know the clubs like City who have their owners pumping in a lot of money. That they're a similar situation to United, except United just have a different level of financial power. But in terms of midfield options, I think Bellingham's going to be the guy that they're going to try and really push to next summer. But I just don't know how realistic it's going to be because one Dortmund are going to really drain every last piece of cash out of whoever wants him and two I wouldn't be surprised if the likes of Real Madrid start to try and go in for him so it's going to be quite a competitive battle but I agree with what you say you you wouldn't think that Liverpool would have to scratch around on deadline day for someone who Juventus are pretty happy to let go of on a loan but um, they, they, they've, they've just got no options at the moment and it's desperately needed I get what you're saying about Bellingham and I do think he would be a really good fit for Liverpool and I do think that maybe if they do go in next summer and try and sign him and they're saving money for that that that's an understandable angle to take but Wolves what did they spend was it 42 million or something on Mateus Nunes I mean Liverpool should surely have that sort of money around surely I know they spent a lot of money on uh, Darwin Nunez as well. So, you know, who knows? Um, Maybe I'm just kind of uh, going at it with a little bit too much aggression here. Transfers are always quite intricate behind the scenes. But you just feel that Liverpool should be able to to be able to spend a little bit more than, than what they had rather than bring a loan player in on deadline day. But that is it for another window. That is it for Liverpool spending at least until January. And that is it for all 19 other Premier League clubs. A record-breaking summer, £1.9 billion spent. Crazy stuff. And we're going to test the lads' knowledge, not just on transfers, but also on this week in the Premier League next with our weekly Football Social Daily quiz. You won't want to miss it. It's after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. Welcome back. My name's Niall. Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson with me for the third day in a row. What a hat trick. For these guys, they're going all Erling Haaland and they're going to get their thinking hats on as well now because it's time for our weekly Premier League quiz. Um, Joel, you 
Did you pick up the victory last week or did Jim beat you? I can't remember. No, I think Jim did, but there were some really dodgy questions in there. I can't lie. <laughs> well, you can prepare for some more dodgy questions because I am the quiz master once again. Um, we'll let you go first, Joel, seeing as you're the youngest. That seems to be the tradition um, on these things. So if you want to play along at home, let us know your scores on social media as well. It's at FSD Pod on Twitter. Ten questions, five each, and it's penalty shootout style. So whoever wins, wins effectively. How are you feeling? about it Marley have you done a quiz yet this season or is this your debut uh, I've done quizzes I'm not sure I've done one with you I've, I've had a couple of absolute b- ones off Jim uh, <laughs> over the years where where he asks Joel like hey Joel what's your middle name and then he asks me Marley who was starting left back for West Ham in 1978 when we played a Worthington Cup game and I'm like Jim are you serious so hopefully hoping for a fair shake of the whip here to be honest yeah, I think you'll have a better chance with this one. Right, we'll go with you first, Joel. Come on then. Uh, and this is the first question, so get yourself ready here. Anthony was this summer's most expensive signing in the Premier League, arriving at Manchester United for £85.6 million, including add-ons. How much less did Chelsea pay Leicester City for the transfer of Wesley Fofana, including add-ons? So Anthony was £85.6 million. How much less... Did Chelsea pay for Wesley Fofana? Ah, well, they, they, they paid, was it 75 million? So. It's including add ons, Joel. It's, yeah, it was 70, I'm sure it was 75 million all total. How do we get, how do we get 10.6 million? No, according to the sources I've seen, 300,000. Oh, tell me your Apparently, source. Apparently, Wesley Fofana's deal to Chelsea could rise as high as eighty-five point three pounds including those add-ons. No, Anthony's is eighty-five point six, so three hundred k. Well, you were miles out anyway, so it doesn't matter. You didn't get the point. He missed <laughs> off the post and wide. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm researching this okay. in the meantime. Um, next question for you, Marley. Nottingham Forest made an insane twenty-one transfers this summer, but who was their first of the window? Uh, was it? The guy, the French lad who's not played yet, um, Julian Bianconi. No, it wasn't. I think he might have been the second or third. Ah. It was Taiwo Awonii from Union Berlin. Yeah, I think he was the first one all the way back in June, believe it or not. So still all square. No goals scored yet. Um, Talking to Nottingham Forest, Joel, they missed out on another striker on deadline day, Chelsea's Michi Batshuayi. But can you name the four clubs he's been loaned out to from the Blues in the past? Oh, God. Uh, he was at Palace. Correct. He was at. Did he go back to Marseille? You got one right. You got one out of four. You you you've, you've gone already. Nah, honestly, you've gone already. Actually, I'm not. A, I'm not an avid follower of his career. Well, that's lie. the point. That's why it's a hard quiz. Dortmund, Valencia, Crystal Palace twice, and Besiktas last season in the Turkish league. So those are the four teams that Michi Batshuayi have been has been loaned out to you by Chelsea. Right, Marley, your question. Someone needs to score here because this is going to be a bit of a blunt quiz. Um, Leicester have failed to win any of their opening five league games of the Premier League season. The last time they did that, they were relegated. But what season was it? Was it 2002-3, 2003-4 or 2004-5? Um, 4-5. Oh, it's a narrow miss. It was 2003-2004, their first season in the Premier League after finishing second in the Championship. You guys, you guys. It's not gonna, we are a joke. It's not going to get any better for you lot as well. We are a um, joke. Next question. Oh my God. And it's for you, Joel. In 30 seconds, can you name all of the Americans currently playing in the Premier League? Oh, Three, for God's two, sake. one, go. 
So you got Adams. Correct. Aronson. Correct. Um, oh my God, who else is there? Clock's ticking. Who else is American? Oh, uh, Pulisic. Correct. Halfway there. Um... Oh my god, I actually can't think of anyone else. Three, two, one, I'm to let it go. and your time's up. Not a bad effort. 50% of the answers you managed to get there. Out of the six players, uh, you've got Adams, Aronson and Pulisic. You missed Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson and Tyler Richards. They're the other three players in the Premier League. <laughs> How did you miss, How did you miss them, oh, Joel? Household names. All right, before you start uh, sniggering too much, Marley, here's your question. In 30 seconds, can you name 10 of Nottingham Forest's 21 summer signings? Three, two, one, go. Uh, Bianconi. Jim Salverson. Awani. <laughs> Awani. Uh, Gibbs White. Lingard. Yeah. yeah. Um, Henderson. Yeah. Um, Hennessy. Yes. Um, Nico Williams, Renan yes, Lodi, yes, Remo Frula and Nia well Carte. Oh, well, it's done it as well with 10 seconds to spare. <laughs> Marley Anderson finally gets a goal in the back of the net <laughs> and he leads 1-0 with a few questions to go. Very impressive. I thought for sure you were going to crumble on that one, Marley, but not I had, bad. Like, I had a little wobble before I went. I, I went to, uh, I was working my way through, like backwards through the team and I went to goalkeepers and I was like, brilliant, they signed two. So it oh uh, got the ball rolling again. You've done well there. Marley leads by a goal to nil. Last few questions are into the final stretch here. Okay. What year did the transfer window officially start according to FIFA rules, Joel? And that's the key here. What year did the transfer window officially start according to FIFA rules? Was it 1994, 1997 or 2002? 94. No, it was actually 2002. So the transfer window is only what? really 20 years old. Players have been allowed to move clubs and stuff like that. But in terms of following FIFA sanctions with all clubs having to follow the same rules, it's 2002. So actually, it's quite a new thing, this whole transfer phenomenon. Um, unlucky, mate. Did have a th- uh, three options there. Just went for the wrong one. Um, okay, next question. Marley, a chance to clinch it for you, mate. In tennis this week, Rafael Nadal struck himself in the face with his own racket and had a plaster over his nose to finish the match, but he still won. In 2018, which footballer kicked the ball into his own face, much to the amusement of the rest of the footballing world? In 2018? Yes, a Premier League footballer. (laughs) Bloody hell. Uh, I was confused because I I could have swore it would have been last season and that would have been Joe Linton when he he fell over and had a shot, but... uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, Batshuayi. It was Michi Batshuayi. Off the wall, off the post. Off, off the yeah. post and into his own face. Well done, Marley. You've plucked that from the depths of your knowledge there. And I think <laughs> that that's secured the victory. So Technically, um, he didn't kick it into his own face. They hit the post and hit his face. <laughs> he kicked it into his own face. All right, Joel. All right, you've got a chance for a consolation, Joel, here. Here's the final question of today's quiz. Scott Parker was sacked by Bournemouth this week and his cardigans being a topic of conversation as well at a cost of 1,349 quid. How much did it cost Scott Parker per minute he wore the cardigan on the touchline? And I want it to the nearest 10p. Oh, for God's sake. What, just in this Premier League season? The amount of minutes he wore the, uh, yeah, the, the, the cardigan on the touchline. How much did it cost him per minute? £600. 
Oh my gosh, no, not quite. Four pound fifty-eight it was per minute he wore it on the touchline. Oh, so I think he, I think he wore it for the for the last three games. Um, <laughs> that was a well hard question. That's a well hard. It was supposed yeah. to be the tiebreaker. I know actually. Man City have just signed uh, Manuel Akanji, and he apparently can do maths quicker than a calculator. But I think he'd have, even he would have struggled with that one. That was meant. That was meant to be the tiebreaker. But I thought oh, I'll give Joel a chance to redeem himself. But <laughs> just like kick me in the pit a bit coming. more. Wow. <laughs> Joel, you're struggling here. You're like the Leicester City of the quiz. You're in the bottom. No, some of these are dubious. Like that for Farno one. I've heard different sources. And the Bashwai one, I mean, the post literally slapped him in the face. Yeah, no excuses, though, with the Americans. You only got 50% of those right. And you had three options on the FIFA rules of the transfer window, and you got that wrong. Um, so, you know, what else are you going to blame it on? You sounded like Jurgen Klopp. Oh, I, I blame oh, the quiz God. master personally, but, you know, <laughs> if, if I speak, I'm in big trouble. Two defeats in a row for Joel. He literally is like Leicester. He's in the relegation zone, but there's a lot more talent there to be <laughs> to be shown, and they probably shouldn't be where he is. Uh, well done, Marley. Congratulations, and thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode of Football Social Daily. We will be back again a little bit later with Shots, which is our short-form episode of the podcast, only around five minutes or so, rounding up all of the new stories from the day i'm sure there'll be a couple of residual transfers that we can bring to you on that show so hit subscribe and you won't miss it and the dugout will be out later tonight as well myself matty fryer and francis Bernali, two former premier league players looking ahead to the weekend's fixtures as well as the week's news in the top flight but that is it from myself joel and marley have a great weekend hope your team wins and we'll speak to you next week football's social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.